JM and AM playing uh, Makar Chaim from uh, Eitan Katz to make Jesse Baumel feel as at home as possible. He's, of course, Director of Development at Makar Chaim in Israel. And uh, for us, very often, and maybe too often over the last few years, <laughs> with all these elections that have taken place, uh, he's been one of our um, analysts when it comes to the Israeli elections and the political scene. Yossi Baumel, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Good morning. I just landed, and I'm happy to be here in the United States once again. I was able to vote and then to come here and maybe vote once again this week. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I won't get into the uh, I won't get into the legalities or machinations of that, but it would be interesting actually if you or someone else participated in both elections. One observation, just from this side of the ocean, before we go to where you normally are, um, it, it is funny to me that the Israeli election, which for which in so many um, uh, instances was followed so closely by the American media. And, you know, and, and in many ways, uh, the American media acted as if, you know, it was an election going on here, you know, with the urgency and the, and the you know, when the polls close, immediately reports going out, et cetera. And it is nothing like that here anymore. And I just find that to be an interesting observation, that the desperation with which the United States media went ahead and followed the Israeli election is not nearly uh, to the level that it once was. Uh, I don't know what, why that is or if my impression is even correct, but I just thought I'd toss that out there as we begin our conversation. So um, I, I, you know, I posted yesterday on social media that uh, I wasn't quite sure how to classify this election if, in fact, the, the reports were accurate that Netanyahu and the Likud party was doing as well and, and its partners were doing as well as was initially reported. Now we know, of course, that they have been doing as well as initially reported. So how would you classify this political comeback? Uh, one person wrote on my on my post that it was as expected. Uh, were there surprises for you yesterday, or was all of this as expected? Uh, let me put it this way. I, was not, I am not surprised by the present predictions of 62, uh, but I think it will go up to about 64 or maybe wow. even more. And just so people understand and, uh, uh, and realize where we're at, in terms of these statistics right now, with 85% of the vote cast, Likud is officially, or at least projected to be at 31. The, the um, uh, religious parties, led by the religious Zionist party at 14, Shas and UTJ together for 20, and I assume as uh, you're indicating that those numbers could could go up because you're, you're predicting that it could be uh, close to 64 or at 64 eventually. So l- let's discuss, you know, why why each one of these did as well as they did. Let's start with Netanyahu. Uh, you know, somebody is somebody the 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 um, uh, the impression is that he's ousted from Israeli politics, you know, during the last election. And yet, even at his age, he's able to make a strong comeback. Uh, what was it that gave him the success in this election? Well, first of all, I have to point out that uh, the Likud has lost a number of seats compared to the last election. Right. So let's not get too excited about that. Right. Uh, there are even people who think that Tal Smutrich himself released a recording where he said that he doesn't trust Netanyahu uh, in order to increase uh, his uh, seats that he'll get uh, in this election. Um, I think one can sum up and say something that we knew before, that while the uh, Israeli electorate is getting more and more right-wing, not everybody loves Netanyahu. 
And uh, I think that's true about a lot of people. On the other hand, one has to recognize that he's five times smarter than anybody else in the field, like it or not. I think the media is jealous of him because he's better than them at their own game. Uh, much better, and there's a lot of jealousy. And you know, when you're very, when you when you really are smarter and better at what you do than others, uh, sometimes it tends to uh, cause a little hubris, and he didn't get along with a lot of people, and that's very sad. I hope he learned his lesson. I hope he really tries to hold close his old partners and his new partners uh, and work together with them uh, because there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do. Yeah, that's for sure. And and, and I'm glad you pointed that out and, and corrected me because Ridley could has been reduced in seats, but obviously the entire right wing or right block, however you want to put it, has increased, and that, and that would make the and that would make the Smutrich, um, uh, a story, I guess, the religious Zionist story, the story of the election. But before we get to that, which again might be the central part of this entire analysis, when you say he's smarter than everyone else, how does that manifest itself? When you talk about beating the media at its own game, or you speak about that, you know, he 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 knew exactly what to do strategically to make this political comeback. What is it that he's smarter about and how does it manifest itself during the entire pre-election game? Uh, I'm not sure, but I think I would recommend highly for people to read uh, his new book uh, and uh, the depth of his commitment, the depth of his of his savvy uh, comes quite clear in obviously in the book that (laughs) that uh, he had written. Uh, But uh, I I, I don't have to tell you he's head and shoulders, I think, in the recognition, both positive and negative recognition that Netanyahu has throughout the world just shows that he really is a very a senior statesman. He, re- he really is, you know, in, in international terms, and he's much better at this than, than, than other people. But, the, but, but, but when it. you say this, it's not just, you know, projecting an image of a statesman. It's also the, the ability, I guess, behind closed doors to c- come up strategically with a plan that, to outsmart everybody else, right? I, mean, I assume that's yeah, what you mean. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, a lot of people were complaining that Ayala Chakade ran to the end. Some right. people thought that it was only because if she reaches 1%, she can get the money back that she spent on the election, more or less. Right. So it was a money thing. Even if she doesn't get into the Knesset, if she reaches 1%, she gets that money. And there was no chance of her getting into the Knesset. But now it's become clear that by her running, she added 80,000, 90,000, whatever the votes there are, to the total amount, right. raising the, the uh, ceiling on getting into the Knesset, which left merits out. And apparently this was done in coordination with the Likud. Interesting. In words, they're saying Yariv Lavin and her were coordinator, and he told them, don't drop out. You're going to help us by taking away seats from Gantz and by raising the ceiling on, on to get into the Knesset. And that, at the moment, it looks like Merit is not getting in altogether, and uh, and that was successful. So that's the kind of thing that nice. even a genius like me wouldn't have thought of <laughs> oh, uh, you know, just a day ago. <laughs> and Merit is at zero at the moment. We'll see if that lasts. Yossi Baumel's with us. All right. So tell us about you know what it's like living in Israel for the last couple of months as Ben Gvir and Smotrich you know seem to uh, to be uh, attracting more and more people and obviously the numbers bear it out with the religious Zionist party now at fourteen mandates which I think is unprecedented when it comes to uh, uh, to the religious Zionist party um, what was it what was it like and why were they so successful at uh, at increasing their popularity well first. 
of all, I have to, I have to point, correct you slightly. Yeah. The fact is that this almost no less than the story of the of the uh, religious Zionist party is the story of the uh, Haredi parties, right. which at the moment are totaling twenty, but right. probably will go down to nineteen. But nevertheless, That's represent a, a tremendous, uh, not a, a, a substantial. Uh, raise in 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 their in their seats, and this is something that is a, has really perplexed a lot of people over the years. Aguda, with the birth rate that we have in the in the religious community, really should have been growing much faster. But people have always been voting for other parties, and uh, Shas uh, also has. Uh, there are people, even from the religious Zionist bent who wanted a religious party but did not like, uh, for whatever reason, Ben Gvir or whatever. And so they went and they voted for Shas because they wanted to participate. So whatever the reason is, they also did very well uh, in, the, in these elections. But I think this really reflects the growing population of committed people. And the fact is, if you take out all the right-wing people in the uh, in Gantz's party, then you, you have you, – it's definitely – there's more than 70 seats of the Knesset fully right-wing uh, in, in Israel today. And this is some slowly showing up in the demographics and in the elections that we have every Monday and Thursday. Oh, I'm sorry, every few months <laughs> in Israel. So it sounds like it sounds like you know, based on what you're saying, that you're that that in terms of Smotrich, Ben Gvir, etc., it's more a matter of being at the right place at the right time. In other words, it's it's not really their popularity; it is the the affinity that the religious parties now have in Israel to so much more of the electorate that put them, you know, way over the top. That is true, but I want to address what you said also. Uh, first of all, first of all, uh, Bezalel Smutrich has done something which no other Israeli political leader has done. He had set up a party. He opened up uh, for primaries, including uh, offering people to challenge him himself, the head of the party. This is unprecedented in Israeli politics. Nobody does that. The Tanya doesn't run run for re-election. You know, two months before in the primaries, right before the elections, he has, but you know, but it didn't happen now. And it, he's really opened it up. And uh, I really think the t- time has come now for those people, those few people who found this present party a little to the right of them should join in and run in, in the in the in the in the primaries from now on in, in the religious Zionist party as Marty Oliner the head of the RZA here in the United States pointed out in his a recent article this is now the national religious party this is it and people have to get on board and 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 and, and, and completely support this party which is what I did I opened up I had a parliament meeting for Ohad Tal, who lives in Efrat, who's number 12 on the list uh, of, of the, the religious Zionist party. So, so the, uh, that's one thing as far as the uh, religious Zionist party. As far as, uh, as far as Ben Gvir goes, the fact is that the upswing in violence over the past year and a half has really brought extra vote. People worried about the security situation and have brought people to vote for him, even not in the traditional national religious party. And therefore, and therefore, uh, that that explains basically why they succeeded. There is a small chance to go up to fifteen, but probably not. They'll probably stay uh, at fourteen members. Isn't it interesting that that usually was what propelled Lee could for an extra two, three mandates, a security issue, and now, uh, and and now Smotrich, I guess, has replaced Netanyahu well, uh, as as the figure of you know, of national security. 
well, I think it's Ben Gvir more than Smutrich. I mean Ben Gvir, right? Issue. I mean Ben Gvir. But, uh, but, uh, but I think we have to realize that future uh, political scientists will try to analyze why the left never liked Netanyahu, because the fact is that he was a really fantastic middle-of-the-road prime minister. He was not a right-wing prime minister. And, 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 and people have to understand that. And I, I'm hoping that now with the present constellation that we have in Israel now, that he will see that this is his chance to leave an enduring legacy of doing the things that he himself believes in but was afraid to do and was always trying to, like, walk, you know, toe the middle of the road line. Can you give us an example of that? Things that he believes in that he thinks need to be implemented, but he was uh, hesitant uh, to do uh, so? Sure. Uh, anything to do with the courts in Israel, uh. for example, which he has he has defended, despite that he's been the victim of the courts right. system in Israel, he's been defending them to a great extent. Uh, the status of the what they call the young settlements in Judea and Samaria, collecting them, connecting them up to electricity, uh, etc. Even the things that have to do with Temple Mount, uh, if people remember back, right. he was not the most right-wing prime minister we had. I'm not criticizing him. He is what he is, and he's great at what he does, but he's not so right-wing. And uh, someday political scientists will try to understand why the, the middle of the road didn't like him. Uh, Victor Lieberman, how's he feeling this morning? I didn't. I didn't speak with him. So I don't know, even though he doesn't live too far away in my, uh, from me. But uh, um, look, all these parties were hoping to change. I said all along the religious issues are, are non-starters. A because the because the Haredi world is there. They have their rights. They have their, they they're an important part of the of the of the electorate. Number one. Number two. Halacha can't be changed until we have a Sanhedrin, which is going to happen sometime after Mashiach comes, probably. So, that, you know, they get 70 rabbis together in a room. That's, you know, that's harder than bringing the Mashiach. So until then, we more or less have to try and unite around a, uni- a united halacha. And therefore, the whole question of yes, Aguda, no, Aguda, uh, Matan Kahana's attempt at the religious uh, religious. Uh, um, ministry. All this stuff is really. It's not. It's not. What What is worrisome is the uh, is the trends in security, the trends in settlement. Which even I'm not afraid that any left wing government would give away territory substantially. But still, they are slowly letting uh, our enemies take over the area, and this has to stop. And and what do you mean by halacha? You know, not being able to be changed. Uh, you know, what what does that have to do with the election? What does that have to do with the government? Yeah. Well, a, a lot of the people who could not bring themselves to vote for, for Bitsal Smutridge, uh, and certainly not for Ben Gvir, felt that there has to be the conversion right. has to be done in a more liberal fashion, and uh, Kashus has to be done in a more liberal fashion, etc., etc., etc. While theoretically they may even be right, I'm not arguing that, but right. practically, both for political reasons and for united halachic unity of the Jewish people, we need to be able to keep, we don't more, more, more and more branches breaking off from Orthodox Jewry, but we, we can't have that. I want to be able to walk into a shul, a shul, and daven with them, and I want them to be able to walk into me and my shul and daven with me also. So, you know, this is, we have to reunite around the Rabbanut and around the present uh, religious system as much as possible, trying to improve it, but still we can't rock the boat that much for those two reasons. So you're not, so you're not against those who are trying to improve it, you're just the, you, you, you'd uh, like to see this, the, war, this battle has to be fought in the Beit Midrash, not in the, not in the Knesset. 
These are halachic issues. These are uh, in, uh, ideological issues. They need to be argued. And when we uh, uh, in, 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 in yeshivas, in, 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 uh, among rabbis, this, right. and it's a, it's, a, it's a good, important argument. I'm sure when there'll be a Sanhedrin, Judaism will change to some extent that we won't even recognize certain things. But in the meantime, we have to unite around what we have and keep it holy. Hey, you know what happened 105 years ago today? What? Balfour Declaration. Oh. Oh, that's right. How do you like that? Wow. Isn't that interesting yes. in, in the light of our conversation this morning? Uh, because and in the light of the end of the list of the Masechet in both in Dathiyumi. That's right. I, um, I, I say it like that because uh, sometimes we do lose perspective. I think you were, you were somewhat alluding to this with the conversation about halacha, but uh, we, we sometimes lose perspective and forget that, you know, uh, 105 years ago there was no state. And 105 years ago, Jews around the world were in, a, were in an extremely precarious position. And sometimes we have to just uh, stop and acknowledge the fact and thank the one above for the incredible gift that we have in the state of Israel and that you were able to go to the polls yesterday and vote. Yes, there's a special prayer we say before we vote. You're serious or you're joking? Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm sure Rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel Eliyahu uh, wrote together. a special prayer? Yes, yes, yes. That you know, it, According to the Ramban, it, um, Jewish sovereignty is a mitzvah from the Torah, and by taking part in that mitzvah, we're doing a mitzvah, and you have to have kavanah, and you have to think about what you're doing before you go and do it. Wow. Unbelievable. In Israel, every little thing is a mitzvah. That's the wonderful thing about living in Israel. Yeah, well, you're right about that. Um, finally, on the political spectrum, but just for a moment again, um, I mean, we've made this point before. You've made this point before. Uh, but the Labor Party, I mean, I guess it's essentially dead at this point. I mean, four mandates and, you know, for a party that used to dominate Israeli politics. What's your comment about that? Uh, I think uh, that not, and not only that, there's a small chance that they're not going to make it all together. Probably wow. will, but it's it's on the borderline at the moment, actually. Um, I think basically that the parties, um, I think Moshe Shamir, an Israeli author, said this uh, like 30 years ago. He says, I stayed in the same place. He was a member of the Labor Party. Right. He says, I, politically, I stayed in the same place. It's the parties that keep moving you know, to more and more to the left. It, and I think that that the, the the parties like Merits and like Labor, which is sad because they were somewhat ideological parties, have given way to the uh, to the more uh, populist parties like uh, Yesh Atid, um, uh, um, Lapid, uh, Lieberman, and Gantz. Those parties, uh, instead of being you know really uh, ideological left wing. Um, uh, um, organizations, and to, to the fact is today, everybody knows that the two-state solution is a what they sort of say is a it's, a it's an accepted lie. Everybody talks about it, but they know it's not going to happen anymore. The Arabs don't want it even. So this is not Ben Gurion's Labor Party. No, no, no. Ben Gurion's Labor Party is to the right of the Likud. Right. Yeah. Certainly, Golda Meir was. Just like they say that JFK was to the right of today's Democrats. For sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, by the way, it's very interesting that the Shamir comment that you just cited. I mean, it, it, you, you see what's going on in this country, and there's a massive, massive election going on this coming Tuesday here in the United States, and, and you could appreciate a lot of Israelis don't understand it because, you know, the whole uh, balance of power, Congress, uh, the executive branch, etc. you know, it's hard for people to understand if they don't live here. Uh, but those of us who are really into it, we understand that uh, this is a key election with so many states being represented as toss-ups this coming Tuesday, and I think one of the reasons uh, that uh, that people are, you know, considering m moving 
uh, or changing their vote or voting differently than they have in the past is because of what you just said, that uh, the, the certain part, <laughs> I'm trying to be very diplomatic here, certain parties do not resemble uh, the parties that they used to be. Let's put it that way. They're moving in a direction that's not very favorable to many. I mean, think of it this way. Donald Trump was a Democrat in the 80s and 90s. You know what I'm saying? The parties are moving to the left under the pressure of popular culture. And but people are still retaining their brains and they're staying in the middle, more or less, you know, right. so uh, and then they have to make a decision, that, you know, where the middle should be uh, should be voting. Right. I mean, the fact that Lee Zeldin may win as governor in New York is like in a sort of an astounding thing. I never bothered voting in the local elections because what's the point? Right. And all of a sudden, it, 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 I mean, I it would be unbelievable if there's that type of change to the top of the New York ticket. We'll see what happens on. On Tuesday, um, I'm still not convinced that that's going to happen. We saw what happened with the governor of New Jersey last time. Uh, the fact is that even though it, it, it was it was close to being uh, a Republican victory, it was um, in the end uh, they didn't win. So I'm curious to see what happens, as I'm sure everybody is. Uh, Yassi Balmo, I hope things are good at Makar Chaim in Israel. Yeah, thank God we're uh, moving this coming summer. We have uh, we're trying to finish off the Beit Midrash. I arrived here because we need a whole bunch of dedications to get there this summer. Uh, but it's moving ahead fantastically, uh, and I invite everyone to come and see the unbelievably beautiful work that we're doing along the ancient uh, the Patriarch's Road in Gush Etzion. Uh, and I have to say also that from educationally, I, my, I set out to make Rabbi Dov Singer famous in America so I could raise money, but instead it's, we, ha- we have the support of a lot of foundations that are supporting our teacher training work in 10 schools throughout the United States, and we're spreading our Torah and our, and our methods uh, here in the United States as well, uh, but we got to finish our campus and move the summer because that's it. So uh, that's why I'm here, and Emir uh, Tashem will get it done. Anybody who wants to come visit the area, please call me, 917-929-8525, 917-929-8525, please call me. Uh, and uh, I love to host people uh, back, and thank God if from this to coast, finally people are coming back to visit uh, Israel, and it's just been wonderful. And I'm looking forward to a lot of more friends coming back uh, and to visit with us in the near future. Well, the edge- I will be speaking, by the way, at the Young Israel Lawrence Cedarhurst on the topic of living in a 50-50 world. Uh, in between elections, living in a 50-50 world, uh, not politics so much, but more a deeper religious background to the wa- reasons that we have all these pro- political problems. But if you want to come, I'll be speaking to Charles Shudas at the Young Israel Lawrence Cedarhurst. And you, obviously you mean this Shabbat. This coming Shabbat, correct. And, and, and a fifty-fifty world is, and if you're saying it's not political, then what? It's a fifty-fifty world spiritually. What is? What, what? What is it? The Rambam says that when you go to Yom Kippur, you're supposed to assume that the whole world is half and half, and your voice, your actions, can change the world. Right. Very, very, uh, very um, spiritual of you no, to but say also, the least. Also, the idea, the idea that. Politics is right or left and not three-dimensional, as Ruff Cook explains, really uh, hooks in with this message, and which I'll be talking about that as well. The educational initiative you spoke about was an outgrowth of COVID, or in general, the, your, the uh, McCarr Chaim was reaching out to schools we around the world? We started doing a pilot project in Cleveland uh, before COVID, uh, but uh, the fact that we were able to do a lot of teaching uh, online during COVID has really has, has helped this skyrocket, and now uh, we have... Uh, uh, Rabbi Singer and his son Yishai, who runs the uh, our uh, our uh, educator development program in in Israel, BA and MA programs with Herzog College, 
Uh, so he's coming here quite a lot more often. And we have Rabbi Yehuda Chanelis and Tinek, who is our educational director here in the United States, who is doing a great job in pushing our Torah and uh, helping out a lot of schools to here through the United States. Amazing. Must be a good feeling. I'm not, I'm not being facetious. I'm being serious. It must be a good feeling that there's finally some settlement in the in the Israeli electorate, right? The fact that, that there's now what will hopefully be some type of stability, at least for the next few months or years. Well, this is going to be an interesting thing because basically it looks like it'll be very stable except for one question. Yeah. Uh, um, Itamar Ben-Gavir has been a wonderful campaigner and a wonderful uh, media stunt person, and he's, I think he's a good person and means well, even if I don't agree exactly with everything that he says. But now he's in politics, and now the art of politics, the politics is the art of compromise. He's going to have to sit in the government and at least suffer some of the things that he doesn't like. Right. That's what we all do in order to keep a, a stable government, right. and it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And there's a million precedents for that. Some of the politicians have, in history have done that well, and others have just fallen by the wayside because they weren't able to do it. I, I think he'll be okay. Interesting. I think he'll be okay. Yassi, always a delight. Thanks so much for joining us for this this morning. My pleasure, Nachum. Great to speak to you. Have a great, great day. Yossi Baumel, Director of Development at Makar Chaim in Israel. And for us today, a uh, an election analyst. Uh, well, one thing we've learned, and I think it's important, that the likelihood is uh, there's now going to be a stable government in Israel for at least a few months or years. Uh, and if there's one positive, uh, one of the positive outgrowths of yesterday's election, I would think um, would be that. More coming up. It's JM and the AM.